the fear of imperfection in relationships. The fear of being seen as imperfect to others in our romantic relationships. The fear of flaws within our romantic relationships of that the fear of being seen arguing um, or going through rough patches and, and all the hard stuff in relationships. The fear of flaws. I've been wanting to record a podcast on this for a long time. And like with any vulnerabilities, it can be, can take some time to be in a space where you're able to finally share what has been learned or what you are learning. And here I am today in this space, having been through a crazy last four weeks um, of deep internal work, deep insight into old wounds, really forcing me to take my own space and create space for myself as if you are um, familiar with me and my work. A lot of what I do is through natural healing, is natural healing through holding spaces for women, more recently mixed, uh, Reiki, yoga, nutrition. So I really got to a point about a month ago where I had to retract and retreat and actually start to create space for myself to heal as a lot of stuff had been coming up for me. And it's virtually impossible in this line of work to try and hold any space for anybody when you have so much of your own stuff that needs clearing, that needs cleansing, that needs healing. So I decided to take this time off for good reason and it has been deeply insightful, deeply painful, deeply emotional, um, but deeply insightful and... Uh, with great um, progression to life. And I'm still learning and always will be learning. And it's in the end that we can finally come to a position, I feel, in these situations to be so grateful because it really is in these times, in these moments, in these hard times where we are learning so much. So relationships are a topic of conversation that fascinate me and always have. And probably because I was somebody that went through relationship after relationship. I was a serial relationship person from the age of around 14. Finding myself in one relationship to another. From one year to two years to three years. And... (sighs) By about the age of 22 or 23, I started to realize there was a very heavy pattern going on in my relationships. That yes, each person is individual in their own sense and in their own way, but there was a a pattern that I finally 
became aware of that was happening in my relationships, yet I didn't know why. And I couldn't understand why. And all I knew was that I didn't want it anymore. I didn't want to be attracting the kind of relationships that I was attracting, which were highly toxic and uh, very codependent, involved me having to play mother a lot, which was something that I enjoyed and I enjoy nurturing, but to an unhealthy extent. So there was this imbalance and not really receiving the same back. So not really feeling like I was being taken care of, really, I was taking care of the other person, giving all my energy and all my time and all my life to this other person. It was very easy for me to totally lose myself in a relationship. So the minute I'd be in a relationship, it was like, bye bye world, bye friends. <laughs> you probably wouldn't see me for years. And I would kind of go into this cubbyhole of a world with this person that I was with um, and entirely lose myself in it, becoming highly codependent. Um, I attracted a lot of addicts some very serious. Um, and yeah, eventually I was drained. I was exhausted. I was ill physically, mentally, emotionally. So that probably carried on progressing for quite a few years before I actually got help and started seeing a therapist and going through healing as I initially was healing through nutrition for more kind of physical ailments such as my hormone imbalances and acne and I'd been losing a lot of weight at some point due to stress at the time but again so completely unaware um a lot of different sort of physical ailments. I was ill every week with a really weakened immune system, tonsillitis, glandular fever, colds, flus, um, chronic cystitis, like everything under the sun, basically, with physical ailments. Um, I was experiencing my immune system was totally shut down. So nutritional therapy came in to kind of heal the physical. And two years in, and it, and it did greatly, so greatly that I then began to study it in 2011. After then, around two years after then, my anxiety had lessened a lot. Um, I had debilitating anxiety where I'd be bedridden for days. But then I started to experience depression. Even though I was eating well and I was taking care of my body and I was learning a lot and I fluctuated up and down from kind of eating healthy to binging to eating healthy to binging. But all I knew is that eating healthy was helping me physically. And it felt good. So I'd stick to it as much as I could. Eventually, when the depression came through, came in, um, and it got to a point of kind of rebellion, um, back into smoking, drinking, destructive behaviors, I then came to a place of pure apathy where I was just so totally numb and that is when uh, I was referred to my therapist who I still work with today 
and absolutely adore. She holds an amazing retreat called thebridgeretreat.com, which I will be doing very soon and I'm very excited about as that time has finally come. But so it was only then, then to let men, my therapist is called Donna. She's awesome. And it was only until I sat with Donna and I sat with her weekly for about the first year. And it was only after the first session that my life already started to dramatically change. And it was incredible. It was relieving. It was all of a sudden a space where my deeper wounds could come up and be shared without judgment, without opinion. There was space being created for me to express myself as I was so used to suppressing all of my emotions and keeping everything in and being the kid that was like, cool, I don't care, everything's fine. So I wasn't even aware that these were there, that these wounds were actually buried deep inside of me until I met with Donna. And through then we explored the relationship with my family, my siblings, I have four siblings, my um, parents. And through that we explored the dynamic of my parents' divorce, which at the time, funnily enough, I knew nothing about. And that was a pretty big red flag as it displayed that it was a subject that wasn't spoken about, so very much suppressed. And going through these relationships that I had with my parents started to reflect the relationships that I was attracting in my life as romantic relationships. And never in a million years would I have ever thought that there was a link to with my parents and my romantic relationships. I'm pretty sure if somebody had said that to me, then I would have been like, what? <laughs> yeah, right. I've heard of like the daddy syndrome of, oh, you've fallen in love with someone who's exactly like your dad because she's got daddy issues or whatever. But I never thought that that was me. And I never really understood it. So sitting with Donna really opened my eyes to this crazy link that gave me so much insight into why I was attracting these relationships and finally how I could break that pattern. And the way that we can break these patterns is really in the healing of our old wounds that we hold throughout the relationships that we experience with our parents as children. So a little example for some of you that might be thinking, what the hell is she on about? <laughs> I, or let's speak in terms of we. So when we experience experiences growing up from the moment we are in utero, in the womb, till the, to the moment we are birthed to the age of up until about eight, we are collecting and storing 
memories and experiences in our DNA, even before we are in the womb. If you believe in past lives, this is in past lives. We have 32 million cells within our bodies, each of them carrying DNA memory inside of them, our conscious and our subconscious memory. So the way that we experience things as children, as we grow up, we hold, we hold within our memories. We hold within our cells, our, our cellular biology stores these experiences within us consciously or subconsciously. They're there. Things that we might remember, things that we may not. Things that could be, could have induced trauma, loss, grief, sadness, pain. Um, things that may have induced happiness, joy, laughter, love. And we collect in these experience, we collect these experiences, and these experiences really grow us to who we are today. And for so many of us growing up, the space to to feel through these experiences was n- seldom there. So there was a lot of, there can be a lot of suppression of feelings in these experiences that we may have felt growing up as a child. And that was handed down to us by the patterns and behaviors of our parents. So for instance, a big pattern in my family was if you were upset or sad, um, rather than being seen or heard, it was more a sense of you're okay, everything's fine. You'll get over it, life goes on, everything's fine, you're fine. And ultimately what that does is it shuts down a part of us that is allowed to feel. So we shut it down. It's sort of like our survival mode. We go, okay, shut. I'm okay. And that's great. Or not so great, but I mean, it it works in that moment, perhaps. (laughs) But later, what we're doing is just accumulating these feelings, these emotions that we didn't allow ourselves to express. And over the years and in our adult lives is where we probably start to see them really creep up in ways of depression, low moods, anxiety, anger. It's in these experiences that really helps to shape our personalities um, or who we are and how we behave because how we experienced things as we were younger plays out how we will experience things in our adult lives too and how we react in experiences in our adult lives is really a reaction to what we experienced in our childhood that made us feel the same way 
So it's really interesting. It really interests me to also delve into inner child work in the sense that we all have this inner child within us, this inner child that carries wounds, this inner child that experienced love, this inner child that wants love within us. And the more we sort of push our problems aside or the more we, we don't allow ourselves the space to feel or the space to heal, the more we're really just kind of ignoring this kid inside of us. The more we're pretty much just going, you know what, yeah, it's pushing it to one side as if it this child does not exist. This child within us does not exist. And really what this child wants is just to be heard. Is want, it just wants to be loved. The same as any child would. If there was a child lost and alone in the middle of a room, in the middle of a space, in the in in the middle of somewhere, and you came across this child who seemed lonely, afraid, hurt, scared, we would naturally, our human nature would be to want to nurture, to go and 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 ask what, what you know what it is that this child is feeling, how what what's happened, and embrace with open arms and love this child, feed this child, nurture this child. Yet we seldom do that for the child that is within us. We tend to put and, and be celebrated for putting others' needs before our own. Because when we put ours first, that is selfish. And so then we find ourselves in a pattern of continuously giving and giving and giving without time for ourselves. And we carry this pattern on into our adult lives and to our children, especially with mothers, this is very common. We can get into a state of giving and giving and giving to our children first before our needs, giving to our husband, giving to our families first before our own. But we can never serve from an empty tank. We have nothing to give if our own tank is empty. And so the importance, there's this huge importance that we really, we need to give to ourselves first. We need to fuel ourselves first if we want to be of service to others. And that is why it is not selfish. That is why we must remain a priority before others first always. So listening to that inner child within us is one of the greatest ways that we can begin to listen to what's going on when we are conflicted within relationships and all relationships, within experiences, everyday life. When we find that we are reacting to situations, how can we actually go inwards and think, right, why is that making me feel strange? Or that made me, even just acknowledging the feeling, that made me feel really sad. Just acknowledging that the child is there, the feeling is there, is enough to let it go. I think it was Freud or Carl Jung that said, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. <laughs> so sometimes not everything does need deeper understanding, but just that simple acknowledgement. It's so easy in a fast-paced city like London to continually be on the go in this yang mode 
the yin and the yang representing the light and the dark, the yang representing the action and the go, go, go. Um, which is probably in most fast-paced cities, um, very dominant in most fast-paced cities. It's very easy to push, to push our thoughts, our needs, our feelings aside because we've got to get to work at 9 a.m., We've got to answer the a million emails that came through onto our mobile phone whilst we were asleep. We have to look after mum, dad, the kids, my husband, my partner, um, whatever it may be. I have to respond to this, do that, meet with this. And it's so easy to then forget ourselves. So taking a moment throughout the day, whenever we can in silence, whether that's as soon as we wake up doing a 10 minute checking in with ourselves, whether that's through meditation or sitting in silence and just seeing how we feel, checking in with ourselves, as you would with a friend or a loved one, just a, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> Is everything okay? A genuine, how are you doing? How are you? A genuine, how are you? <laughs> that warrants more than just a, I'm good. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Because that's small talk. But a real deep, genuine, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How are you being? What are you feeling right now in this very moment in time? These are all great insights to ways of accessing our ourselves, connecting to ourselves, our truths, our wounds, our what drives us, what fuels us, what depletes us, checking in with us, getting to know us. And how amazing that would be to do this work before we enter into romantic relationships. However, we're never ever fully ready. And so delving into relationships that, that we are drawn to um, and allowing the process, if it feels right for us, if it feels good, if it feels us, maybe not right, that's the wrong word, but if it feels good and it, it, there's something that may be drawing us there, we're attracted to this person for a reason. And for me, I'm such a believer that this is a soul attraction and that we make this soul contract before we physically meet. So there is a way that I believe our souls know that we are about to engage in a relationship that is going to take us through this journey that will be so essential for the both of us whether it's a few days, a few weeks, a few months, a few years, our whole lives. <laughs> our relationships are such a great mirror of ourselves. And by that, I don't mean that we attract someone who is just like us, because it tends to be the other way. Maybe a lot of the time we tend to be opposite. Maybe we can see how we are similar and very familiar. But relationships are such great mirrors of us in that 
they show us what we need to know in order to heal. They show us all the work that we have left unfinished that is there waiting to heal. And I believe that that is the sole mission, the sole purpose of our journey here on earth is to heal. To heal what we didn't in our past life. To continue to heal until we elevate our soul's consciousness to compassion, to love. The highest vibration there is. That's why you may hear the term love is God, God is love. The ultimate healer. And we begin to elevate our soul's consciousness when we become aware and, and uh, proactive and awake to the work that we were set here on earth to do for our individual journeys. So a reflection of, of an example of what a reflection could look like that is being mirrored to us in our relationship is um, can be demonstrated in ways that trigger us. So, for example, in the beginning, there are different phases in relationships. And in the beginning, it's the honeymoon period and it's that beautiful love and mysteriousness and excitement and passion. And it's seeing the shop front of the window where we kind of look at the goods on the outside and we're like, wow, and we are instantly attracted. And it's this chemical explosion that's going on within each one of us and it's this beautiful coming together and it is actually a, a physical chemical hormonal reaction that's happening in the body and this can happen anywhere from up until three days to three years and then when this chemical reaction within us starts to slow down and lessen we enter the phase of the power struggle and this is the need to be seen by one another and this is where most of us will find ourselves in our arguments with partners this is when the arguments start to happen and we start to freak out and think oh my god honeymoon period is over not being aware that this isn't a period we we tend to think our relationship, you didn't do the same things that you did to me in the beginning, you know, you don't do this anymore, this doesn't feel like this anymore, the love is gone, I don't feel like this anymore, um, but really it's a natural phase of the cycle, <clears throat> we enter in this phase where instead of seeing just the shop window, we're starting to enter the shop and see the storage <laughs> behind the curtains, everything that we don't carry so readily um, outside of us. It's the deeper inside stuff that we hold. And that starts to surface as we share our time with one another and we deeply explore one another. These things start to come to surface and they come to surface in 
in ways of wounds we experienced as children, whether that was abandonment or addiction or anger, uh, arguing, violence, abuse, um, and also happiness and love, because these shape our experience of what we understand happiness and love to look like in our adult relationships. So we might find ourselves in a relationship with someone who says or does a particular thing and that drives us up the wall. And it's this certain pattern that keeps happening and it drives us up the wall. And we get angry about it or upset or it invokes some sort of an uncomfortable emotion, fear, pain, anger, sadness. And maybe we express it, maybe we don't. And maybe we carry on in the relationship, maybe we decide to run away and move on. But then we find ourselves in another relationship and it's pretty much same shit, different toilet. We're back again a couple of years, months, weeks down the line and similar pattern situations, arguments. And that was my pattern every time it got to this phase. That is naturally when we take an exit strategy, whether it's through drugs, cheating, um, divorce, breakup. This second phase that we experience is it's tough work. But it's natural. It's there. It's there as an opportunity. It's there as an opportunity for us to know ourselves and know one another. It's an opportunity to work through our wounds as a child and create a new experience of what love really is for ourselves and for our partners connecting to the true essence of love that is not only a relational thing it is very common in this western society that we see love as purely a relational thing i love this person i love this i love that i love him i love her but love is a way of being ultimately love again is a vibration that we can take ourselves to And so it's so easy that in these moments, of course we want to run away. Of course we want to shut down. And of course, in some instances, that is very healthy too. In some, in some experiences, that is the, the only way forward is having to leave, putting a boundary down. If things do get too toxic and too harmful, it's this doesn't, this is not serving me. And in that way, this can be a lesson of our own as well. Yes, the person may have an abundance of their own issues and wounds and pains that they may be projecting onto the relationship that we may not be able to carry. But why is this happening? Who does this remind us of? Is this, are these familiar traits to our mothers, our fathers? Or is it not our stuff at all? And can we sit there and say, you know what, this is 
not my own. This is yours and I'm sorry you feel this way and send out love and make our way if it is something that we are unable to support or go through. Um... I think that the this is where the fear of seeming imperfect starts to happen. And the reason why I'm talking about all of this first is because I'm talking about the natural phases within a relationship that is normal, whatever normal is. It's a total myth. But as in, this is a natural human experience. And so what happens when we're faced with these conflicting needs, so it's, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, well, I need to be heard, I need to be seen. I, Rather than listening to one another and communicating it to one another, we, we are probably most of the time reacting to one another. So an example can be like, I need you to go to the shops and get me some milk. Well, I can't do that right now. I've got to go to work. Well, I need you to do it. Why don't you do anything for me? You never do anything for me. You always this, you always that. <laughs> and then the other person's like, yeah, yeah, you don't appreciate it. Shut up. Uh, I've got work. I need to do this. I need to, you know, I'm busy too. I have my life going on. And it gets into this kind of power struggle of, well, these are my needs, I need to work, and you may be screaming, well, I need to be supported and fed. And ultimately what it is, is just needing to listen to each other's needs and coming to a space where there is compromise to fuel and feed each other's needs, and that takes so much precious listening and non-violent communication Nonviolent communication, I wish they taught this in schools. You can look it up on Google. It's called NVC, nonviolent communication. It's a way of communicating with compassion, with deeper understanding and, and, and not so much projection. It's so easy for us to project our own stuff onto others when we communicate. It's so easy for us to communicate and make the other person feel under attack you this, you that, you're lazy, you never do this, you, you, you. Naturally, a human's reaction will be to go into defense mode and want to defend themselves because they feel under attack. But what if we switched that around and said, I feel X, Y, and Z when I experience this with you and I would find it super helpful if you just helped me out for an hour a day in doing this because I have such a heavy workload on my shoulders or whatever it may be. But we ask in a way where we explain our experiences with I. This is how I feel. Because the one thing that we cannot do is invalidate how others feel. If I am telling you how I feel 
and some people do do this they'll be like no but you don't and did it but we cannot invalidate how people feel if somebody says I feel sad we need to respect that they are sharing how they feel and maybe ask why what is it that's making you feel sad and sitting there to listen with empathy and compassion we may not understand but we can at least empathize and just say I'm sorry that must be really hard for you not everybody wants opinion or advice I think that's another thing we do so much of is feel the need to to always give our own opinion and advice but again these are always just going to be projections of our own experiences and so sometimes they're not necessary because we all experience things in our own ways and again, we're all on our own individual journeys. So once we get to this place of nonviolent communication and being able to listen to each other, and it's really in the communication that's so vital. So sometimes it's as simple as instead of saying, I need you to do this, and I, it's just saying, I, I need love. And... Sometimes in our relationships, that's just a kinder, more compassionate and more understanding way of simple way of putting things. I need love. I need you to hear me. I need to be heard. Um, and coming to a way where we can both listen to each other's needs, no matter how silly or small we think they may be, they could be huge to the person that we're in a relationship with based on what they experienced as a child that could have been very traumatic to them. Um, one for me was abandonment. So it's, I need to know when I'm going to see you and when you have your own plans because that makes me feel stable. Um, the idea of somebody kind of going and just being very loose about when we were next going to see each other again makes me feel highly uncomfortable and triggers huge feelings of abandonment. And that's something that I've worked through now and I still get moments where it comes up and I, but I'm aware of it. So when it comes up now, I'm like, okay, this is the abandonment coming through. And I literally talk to myself in my own mind and I say, Lana, you're okay. You know, you have this and this and this. You have these tools to comfort you. And you are happy in your solitude. Uh, and you are okay alone. Um, but in relationships, I deeply appreciate it. Uh, I deep, deeply appreciate that sort of stability and another thing was not being heard so um, when I do express any emotions and feelings and they, they feel invalidated or ridiculed that deeply hurts me or when I don't feel like I have the space to express myself that deeply hurts me because I was so used to not being heard as a child and I so because of that I suppressed everything and later on in life that made me very ill and unwell so it's the real appreciation for being heard and listened to 
And I suppose that's why the the deeper purpose of why I started creating women's listening circles, because it was that recognizing that importance to feel heard, to be heard, and how healing that is in its own. So when we reach this communication, this listening and communication in the second phase of our relationship, we then move on to the next phase, which I think is actually communication. And then I think the final phase is something around intimacy. And I can't remember the school of study of where these phases came from, but it's something that I learned from my therapist who's actually holding a relationship workshop on the 6th of May in London. So again, if you go onto thebridgeretreat.com, it is all about this stuff. And it, when I did it years ago with Donna, it was um, very focused from the Hoffman process as she used to facilitate on the Hoffman process. Um, but she also did a lot of imago, that's I-M-A-G-O, relationship work. So if you wanted to delve into that, I'd definitely recommend um, searching these things and getting into it a little further if you feel called to. But so the final phase is true intimacy. That's the true love. Not this perfectly happy family photo that we put out to the world to look like we're happy but this true deep intimacy that is not perfect it is perfectly imperfect in its flaws that is not argument free or challenge free that is with the challenges and with the arguments but with the ability to work through them solely and together with communication, listening, compassion, love, and understanding. And so this is the natural cycle of relationships and the natural experiences of relationships is that there is not one relationship that does not face hardships. There is not one relationship that does not face challenges. There is not one relationship that is always super happy and loved up and whatever you might see on social media. It is bullshit. It is a total pile of bullshit. So to sit there and compare your relationships to these fake relationships that you might see snippets of here and there on TV, in magazines, on social media is poisonous because it is not reality. It is the highlight reel. It is not showing you the behind the scenes where all the nitty gritty stuff takes place, where all the that's the good stuff the hard, the painful stuff that when worked through is like receiving epiphanies and, and serious insight and enlightenment about ourselves and about one another. So where did we come to this space 
where we began to want to create something of a perfect relation of what seemed like the perfect relationship well movies disney's fairy tale books <laughs> everything we were taught as kids everything that we saw and read as children um in these fantasies that were created that we probably couldn't identify at home but you know grew up longing for our entire lives only to find out it doesn't exist <laughs> i remember in the relationship workshop that i went to one of the first things that was said was it was the opening line of the of the workshop was no knight in shining armor is going to ride along on his horse to come and save you. And I remember my heart being like, oh, what? <laughs> but I thought that was the story, you know? I was going to fall in love and everything was going to be this beautiful, magical world and we were going to have a family and then everything was going to be okay. <laughs> And I was constantly searching for that, as so many of us are. It doesn't exist. That's not to say that love doesn't exist within a relationship and that relationships are purely torture. On the contrary, that deep, true love does exist. It is there. But it's not just a smooth sailing ride down fairy tale lane with bubblegum and pink clouds. It's the work that we go through together. The work that we go through to heal ourselves that make our relationship stronger. the work that we can do together and the work that we can do individually within our relationships to allow us to work together. If you want to change the world, change yourself first. It's too true. Everything we experience in our external reality is exactly what's going on in our internal reality. Everything is projecting and mirroring us. The way that we see and experience things in our external reality is the way that we feel in our internal reality. Our homes where we live are such external reflections of our internal. Is your room messy? Is your house messy? Has it accumulated a lot of things? How does that resonate with how you feel deep within you what are you accumulating inside of you what are you holding on to what are you afraid to let go of um yeah so it's strange that when we actually know the truth of relationships to think why we are, why we try to create these perfect relationships, but then we realize it's actually not strange at all. 
because this is what we believed to be our saviour, our happily ever after. But no one ever told us that, well, actually, this soul mate, this soul connection, this coming together of two souls in a human vessel is actually the holding the exact lessons that we need in this moment of time to progress our own journey, to grow our own journey, to grow our own selves, to 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 deal with our wounds. And nobody ever told us that that was going to be painful. And that that was going to be hard. And that there are lessons in this. And unfortunately, with that masking of these flaws in our relationships or what we see as flaws in our relationships, we continue to sever the connection of authenticity in our everyday relationships with others. Because we put on this happy face facade. Oh, me and my husband are really happy. Me and my boyfriend are really happy. Me and my girlfriend are super in love. But then behind closed doors, it's arguing and screaming. And we don't display any of that because that's a shame. It's not allowed. No, nobody can know that we have these arguments. <gasps> it's a huge flaw. It's, it's, we can't let anybody know that's a weakness. That is crazy to me. It is not a weakness. It is not a failure. It is not a fault. It is not a flaw. It is life. You spend one whole week with your best friend from morning till night, you'll probably want to strangle them and smash their head against a wall. Sorry, friends. <laughs> Naturally, if you're with your partner, the person you spend most of your time with, or a lot of your time with, or even if it's not that much time, but it's just that... This person displays characteristics and traits that are trig triggering your old wounds and you're reacting to them. You're going to want to strangle them. <laughs> you're going to feel triggered. You're going to feel things that bring up stuff inside you. And those are your opportunities to heal. It's like, hey, anger here. I've come up for you again. Here I am. See me. Acknowledge me work through me so we can get through this together, buddy. And when we pretend to put out these perfect relationships or we put out these perfect relationships and we talk only of the love and the honeymoon, we isolate others. We allow this pressure of this perfect relationship that doesn't exist to continue we continue to make that seem like that should be the norm but what we really need is more people saying hey I've been through this too I feel your pain. I'm having a shitty time with Max. I'm having a really crappy time with Alex. 
I'm just shouting out random names here. <laughs> you know, but just me too, basically. I feel that too. I felt that too. Or I'm sorry that that's so hard. Just an empathizing in that that must be really difficult. But we all go through the same things. We just don't talk about them. And that makes us feel so alone. And that is not the purpose of the human journey on this earth. Believe me, it is not. Yes, we come into this world alone. We exit this world alone. But really, we are all one. Connected. Connection is everything. We thrive in community. We thrive in connection to one another. And we are only able to create this true connection through our vulnerability, through our sharing, through our authenticity. But when barriers are up and facades are on and we're following personas, the root word of persona in Latin meaning mask, we put on these masks of these happy faces and we sever that connection. We, sh- we shut ourselves off. We sh- automatically that shuts others off. We may find ourselves not being able to engage then in, in deep connections with one, with one another on which the human thrives upon. And so I think the biggest thing to take away from this all is... Nothing in life is perfect. Everything in life has its ups and downs. Your relationship has not failed if you are reaching challenging moments. If you are arguing a lot, even in the moments it gets really painful. If there is a love there. If there is the true foundation of love that is there. And in those moments, it can feel like it's gone. But if deep down you know that it's there and you understand that, well, this is showing me my work and actually instead of giving up and instead of running away, which is so easy to do, we can choose fear or we can choose love and we can work through things together. And sometimes that's not through working things together in that instant moment. Sometimes that's going away and doing our individual work and healing ourselves because that automatically changes and shifts the dynamic and the energies that we engage with in our relationship. Even if we are in a relationship already, the dynamic and the energy that is susceptible to change when we do our own work is powerful enough. And if your partner is willing to do the same work on themselves, not the same as in we're we're all different, so maybe they choose to do their work in different ways, but they are willing to come into an awareness with what their work is or may be or their issues and they're willing to even see that and do that work, then that is beautiful. Beautiful. 
And if one partner is not willing and not willing to, 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 to own up to their flaws, to take responsibility, to see to their how they may be contributing to the relationship in negative ways, then sometimes that is how we outgrow one another. And we continue to evolve and the person doesn't want to deal with his or her stuff. We can't help, but we can take a horse to water, but can't force it to drink. And so in that respect, sometimes we make the choice or make the choice to, to, to move on, to allow that person to be in whatever space they are in, but ultimately not be in a space where that hinders our own growth. So if sometimes we need to continue our natural evolution and progression, sometimes that does cause for us to continue moving forward with or without the person. But being able to do our individual work is so powerful. And then coming together to work together, to sit together and to say, I hear you. Let's talk about this. What are you feeling? Why do you feel that way? I'm sorry that you feel this way. Would it help if I X, Y, Z? To really support one another and make sure each other's needs are both being listened to. That can take years of practice. Years of practice. But if the love is there, it is worth it. Because whatever it is that we're being faced with is exactly what it is that we need in order to go through whatever we need to grow through and heal. It is showing us our work. And so if we run away from this relationship out of fear, not out of strength, not 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 in a healthy boundary strong way but in a way where we just think this is too much and i can't deal with it and we run um we will continue to find ourselves in relationships that possess different but similar traits and qualities because it is just a mirror of where we are at And the universe is always going to be wanting to show us exactly where we are at. So the best... The best way we can begin with this also is to own what it is that we feel in our relationships. That doesn't necessarily mean write your whole relationship story on your Facebook account, but (laughs) maybe find a friend to open up to, to talk about. Maybe that's a friend, maybe that's a family member, maybe that's a therapist. Maybe it's not that that you need. Maybe you need to go inwards and check in with what's going on and, okay, how can I work on the situation and what is this reminding me of and 
how can I heal these parts within me? What groups or classes or tools do I have to access? Can I access what retreats, what people can I meet? Can I speak to what books can I read to help me heal myself? And that is it for today, folks. <sighs> Went on a little bit longer than usual, but this is a very passionate subject of mine and still so much to say on relationships. So if you do want to hear more on the topic of relationships, please let me know. And again, if you have any kind of other discussions that you want to hear about or topics that you're interested in, um, email me hello at lifespacehealing.com. My website is lifespacehealing.com. So you can find all of my contact information and services on there. I think I will be doing an introduction to chakras workshop in London as well on May the 2nd, which will be updated on my on the events page on my website. So you can find all the information there. But also, yeah, Donna, my therapist, is doing an awesome one-day workshop um, at 42 Acres in Shoreditch in London on the 6th of May. If you go onto thebridgeretreat.com and you go onto events, it's a relationship workshop. Highly recommend it. Um, I think it's £150 for the day. It will be super, super awesome with valuable, really super valuable learnings. And... Um, yeah, I hope to stay connected with you guys. Obviously, as always, if you have any um, things you want to share with me, please do on Instagram, on by email, whatever you feel most called to. Um, otherwise, I hope you have a lovely day. <laughs>